What's going on, everybody? It is Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show and Aftershocks TV. And before we get to this next episode, I just wanted to remind you that I have a book out there called And Other Things I Should Not Say. It is about the absolute debauchery that raged in my world when I was stationed overseas in Korea, as well as a little bit of Arizona and some basic training and AIT stories as well. It's kind of my military book. It is wild, friends. I'm going to tell you now, it is definitely not biblical reading. <laughs> so make sure you go over and get it. It's on Amazon.com or my website, Chris Aiken Books, and other things I should not say. Get it now if you're bold enough to dare, all right? All right, here's the episode you actually came to see. What's going on, everybody? It is Chris Aiken from Aftershocks, and just wanted to remind you before we give you this next great interview that you should be subscribed to the CMS Podcast Network, cmspn.com. That is the web address. You can watch, you can listen, you can subscribe. Everything you need to do to catch not only this episode, but everything that we've done in the past, it's all over there on the CMS Podcast Network, as well as great shows from the Classic Metal Show, Shockwave Skull Sessions, Talk To Me, and of course, Aftershocks TV. So sign up today and you will never be without entertainment again. All right, enough of this. Let me give you the interview you came here to see. All right, here we go. And welcome to another episode of Aftershocks at AftershocksTV.com on the CMS Podcast Network. And joining us today on the episode, we've got the legendary guitarist from German Metal Kings, Accept who are set to unveil their 16th studio album, Too Mean to Die. It comes out January 15th on Nuclear Blast. The man himself, Mr. Wolf Hoffman. Wolf, thanks so much for coming on. How you doing? My pleasure. I'm doing great. Doing great. Got a brand new album for you, as you already know and mentioned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then it's a hell of an album, man. Too Mean to Die, another A-quality record from the band. You know, one of the uh, things about, you know, Except, uh, Wolf, is that you guys, you're as reliable as any band I could think of when it comes to releasing great, you know, new music, album after album. I mean, after 40 thank plus years. Thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, man. After 40 plus years, you still got, you know, the pedal to the metal. Uh, like I said, this is a great new record. And this is, I, I would I have to venture a guess that this was probably one of the most, if not the most memorable recording in your 40 plus year career because you guys were recording the album right in the middle when the pandemic hit. You had to we stop. Did. Right, yeah, you had to stop, you had to reconvene over the summer, and then you had to finish it up with your producer, the great Andy Sneep, overseas in the UK, uh, doing it through the internet pretty much, finishing up the record, right? So, I mean, go ahead and uh, tell us a bit how you know, how about how that all went, and I mean, in terms of like how far you guys were into recording the album once the pandemic hit, I mean, how much input really, you know, in direction was able, it was Andy able to give you guys through a computer screen. Well, uh, it was a little complicated to set up, to get working. Um, we tried this, we tried that, and in the end, we had a setup that was working. Um, and uh, I mean, there are different, definitely some difficulties. One of them that you uh, quite obvious. There's a time delay, a time difference of six or seven hours. So when we started to work in the afternoon. It was very late at night for him already. So sometimes Andy had to be up until, I don't know, three or four in the morning. So that didn't help. Mm. And then, well, we, we saw him and we heard him. So he could say what, what he liked and what he didn't like and, you know, do it again. And, you know, this was great. You know, he could say his comments 
to everything, but we had to actually be recording ourselves, engineering ourselves in a way. Okay. So it was a little unusual, but in the end, you, you do what you have to to get it get it done. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily want to do or work like that again. Sure. But man, during a pandemic, you know, we all have to do what we you do what you have to do to get it done. Sure. Right? No, absolutely. Well, you know what, Steve, I think it's really even more interesting about, you know, Too Mean to Die is that, you know, we've got a couple of tracks that you guys put on this album. They're definitely a little different than what the band is typically known for. I mean, we'll start with is the it? first, you know, we'll start oh, with yeah, the first okay. single there, uh, you know, The Undertaker. Uh, you know, very more of a mid-tempo catcher track than what, you know, uh, most of the Accept fans are, you know, used to hearing. And the video, too, for the song, I thought was also really cool and different in that, you know, there was really no live instruments. It almost reminded me of, you know, how they used to do the old music videos during the height of MTV where there was more of a story within the video. Uh, yeah. And, you know, had more – it represented more than just the band and the song. And uh, obviously you guys, too, were featured very little in it, which probably may or may not have had to do with the pandemic itself, of course. Uh, so I guess go ahead and talk to a bit about the track and video in terms of how you guys were able to film that in the middle of these, you know, crazy times we're in right now. Yeah, we decided to release that song because it was one of the early songs that was ready at the time. You know, we were still working on the rest of the songs and the label wanted to release an, um, like a, you know, teaser uh, song early on. And we felt that song was well-rounded and definitely ready to you know, to be released. Mm. And we also felt that it's quite typical, except, I mean, there's some fans out there who thought it was slightly unusual. Every, everybody seems to love the song, but a lot of, mm. or some fans say it's typical, except, and some other fans sound, found it not so typical. But in any case, I think it's a great song. And we decided to do it as a first single and, and, and shoot a video also because it has a story. You know, it's talking about a sort of a creepy undertaker guy Mm -hmm. And uh, it was filmed in Poland by a, Pol Pol oh. a Polish film company over there. And they found the location with that this, um, empty castle and all that. I thought they did a fantastic job. The rest of the footage was done where the band is walking on a cemetery. That was actually shot in Nashville, Tennessee, where we all okay. are based and where the studio is and all that. And then it was edited together. So we couldn't actually be physically in the same location for the same reason because corona made it impossible to travel overseas mm -hmm. and that's also the reason why there's uh one of us missing the german the german guy in the band uva lulis he still mm -hmm. lives in germany so he couldn't come over here for the shoot okay. or to poland so unfortunately we had to do without him sure. but you know other than that it's a, it's a great video yeah no i i definitely agree man you know and the other track too it stands out uh, is the best is yet to come, you know, which is, uh, you know, a bit of sort of like a ballad type of song for you guys. Uh, and what's impressive and really striking on that song to me is Mark's vocals. You know, I mean, he really, I think, let his talents, you know, and his vocal range really shine on that track. I mean, to be mm -hmm. honest, I, he does. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't realize he could sing like that. I mean, he really is a, a great singer. He almost sounds like a different yeah. person, doesn't he? I mean, totally. you wouldn't almost not think that that's the same guy having yeah. those two extreme different voices in him, but he does. Yeah. And we always knew that. Mm. And when that song was written, I was hoping he would, he would really get into it and, and do a good job because it's what, it was one of those compositions where, it wasn't clear from the beginning that it needed and should has to be on the album just because it's slightly different, more melodic, slower, and all that. And I think it 
it's even more than all the other songs. It really depended on the, you know, the vocalist getting into it and really delivering it convincingly. But by God, he did. He loves that song, and you can you can you can hear that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, now, Wolf. Obviously, man, the 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 big news in the accept camp was Peter leaving the band. Mm, you know. Yeah. And I don't want to really dig into all that because you know what? I can watch any of the other 400 interviews that you're doing asking the question. So I won't. <laughs> uh, I will you ask. You already did. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I didn't. What, what I'm curious though for you, did you feel pressure as the lone surviving member to the deliver lone one? Yeah, the yeah. lone wolf, exactly. <laughs> did you feel pressure to deliver a harder album? Than, than maybe you would have felt before to prove to people that it is still accept and it's not the Wolf Hoffman solo project. Not necessarily harder, but there was this, I mean, it, pressure is always such a negative word, but you're, you're aware of it. But I'm, I'm, I have to say, I mean, there's also the question, uh, is it a big pressure from the fan? What, what do the fans expect from you and all that? And I always think, the biggest pressure is myself it's i mean I, we have certain stand or i have certain standards I, I really want the the best album i can possibly get and that's really my i i'm myself and the biggest pressure in this whole procedure sure. you know um so and yeah peter leaving is definitely that's a sad story and i wish it you know he wouldn't have left but he decided to and you know at the end of the day i keep the ship rolling the best i can and at the in the end the fans have the final say in all this whether whether they like this album as much or better or worse or i don't know you know whether it made a huge impact that he left because peter and i have been writing a lot of the songs over the years together and now he was no longer by my side basically so i had to i had help from other people but i obviously had to write more myself Right. On this album. Yeah. Sure. Now I, I want to piggyback off what you just said there about the um, you know, the standards that you put on yourself. Mm. What what is that that you put on yourself? Is it to grow as a guitar player or to grow as a band? Or do you look at the the music more in the overall picture to make sure that it fits well with the entire accept catalog? I'm thinking more in terms of the songs. I mean, I, I think of myself as a guitar player second when it comes to writing an album. Obviously, I want to do great solos. I want to do, you know, I don't know, shine as a guitar player if you want. But to me, the overall picture is more important than that. Because if you, if you have shit songs, then the, 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 the greatest solo in the world won't help you. True. And the same with the riffs and all that stuff. People always focus a lot on riffs. And I like riffs and I have a gazillion riffs uh kicking around everywhere but it's that's just a small part of the whole thing at the end of the day it's about the song and the story that you're telling and the mood that you're uh portraying and if that all works then the listeners will get into it and then you can worry about a good guitar solo if you, if you know what i mean sure so you know well, uh, speaking of, of guitar solos, I know I'm bouncing all over the place, but I'm bouncing off what you're saying, but you know, you, you, you had a couple other member changes since the last release. And mm -hmm. the one I wanted to ask you about was, um, was Peter coming in on rhythm guitar, you know, as the lead guitar Phil. player and, and the main, you know, the main riff writer in except mm -hmm. 
how how long did it take you to feel comfortable with him and and or or did were you comfortable immediately working with him you're talk, talking about the new guitar player phil yes. shouts mm-hmm. yeah uh well we knew phil from a previous tour last year that we did we 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 played a tour across europe with with orchestras and our other guitar player uwe the german guy he couldn't be on that tour so we had to we worked with phil and he was such a beautiful i mean such a great player and and a nice person if you want that we we got along great and we felt it was would be a shame if we didn't um didn't use Phil anymore in the future. If we just send him back home, basically after this tour, and we, and there was the sentiment of, well, why in the world can't we have three guitar players? Why couldn't we have him and Uwe and everybody's happy? And we, that's what we decided on. You know, we know it's slightly unusual, but if you think about it, I mean, there's always more than two guitars on each album anyhow. So now we can reproduce a bunch of stuff from the recordings during live shows that we couldn't before. So it it basically doesn't change everything dramatically, but it adds another color to it and it brings something to the table that's quite cool. We've done some shows like that with three guitars already, some in regular accept shows, and it works beautifully. It's, It's amazing. Love it. When it comes to the recording, when having three guitars swell for me, how do you decide who plays what, when and where in relations to the song and the, uh, the structures of it? A lot of times that's sort of based on whoever wrote the song. And since I write a lot of stuff and I write parts for guitar solos, it's only natural that I play a lot of them. And I basically I've been doing that my whole life ever since Restless and Wild or whatever, that I played most of the guitars. But now that we have Phil, we felt like, gosh, it would be a shame if, you know, at least he doesn't get as much space on the album as possible. So we tried to find as many spaces and and parts for him where it would make sense to have another guitar player and not just all be me. Because really, all that stuff adds a lot of color to an album, I believe. And then we have a new bass player also. His name is Martin Motnick, and he, he he brought a lot of stuff to the table. He actually wrote some songs on this album and some good song parts and even some lyrical ideas. So he, he was really quite helpful and very welcome. Nobody expected that. I basically invited all the guys and said, please let me have ideas when you when you when you if you think you have any song ideas that we could use, let's let's hear them. Mm-hmm. And Martin really came forward and and was a big surprise and delivered some really cool stuff. Yeah, oh, very cool. You know, I wanted to just ask you too, Wolf, about, you know, I mentioned a name earlier, uh, Andy Sneap, who in my opinion is arguably, you know, the best producer in metal. Um, I mean, just about everything he puts his hands on usually turns to gold. And I mean, you've now worked with him over the last, you know, over the last five records since, you know, mm. you formed the band back with uh, Blood of the Nations. And many who've worked with him over the years, they consider him to, you know, be not just a producer, but sort of an extension of the band itself, almost like an extra member, as we've seen him actually do, you know, with Judas Priest. How crucial yeah. is it to have a guy like that to work with from record to record? And yeah, I mean, how does he differ, in your opinion, from the other producers that you worked with, you know, throughout your career? Yeah, quite differently, but good differently. Um, he he. Well, first of all, he's a guitar player, so that helps. You know, he understands guitar riffs and guitar sounds and guitar this, guitar that. He's 
he's even more of a guitar freak than I am as far as like, <laughs> I think he has, has more guitars and he constantly fiddles with guitars even more than I do nowadays, but that's good. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, he's a bit of a gearhead too. So he's always, you know, interested in gear and loves to, you know, work on amps. And he was the, the when, when I first discovered this Kemper amp that I now use, I, I he and I discovered it together almost. Um, but as a producer, he's um, fun to be around, low key, an amazing engineer, and uh, and a metalhead. That's really what it comes down to. That's really where the previous producers we worked with sometimes were great at engineering, or they had uh, expertise. As Dieter Dirks was more of a pop rock kind of producer he wasn't really a metal fan and he always felt there's a disconnect between what we're trying to do and what he's what he's listening to uh, what you know but with andy there's none of that he's really he even told us when we first met that he grew up listening to uh, to accept as a teenager and well he's not a teenager anymore but he's still a metalhead so mm -hmm. it definitely there's a yeah there's a bond immediately or there was a bond immediately when when we met all these years ago and he seems to be now the perfect guy to do to work you know for us as a producer so there's if it change if it if it works don't change it you know that's my sure. motto sure yeah absolutely you know while i have you while i have you here uh wolf i definitely wanted to uh ask you just real quick or talk to you a bit about your solo mm -hmm. work that you did on the headbanger symphony record which you put out about four years ago i mean yeah, there's been a lot of metal artists over the years that have tried to, you know, add this symphonic and classical, you know, instrumentation and elements to metal. But I think really on that record, you took it to another level because you, it seems like your goal is to educate metal fans and listeners on sort of how connected both metal and classical music really are. And uh, I mean, that album, you know, does so, I think, in such a unique way by, you know, how it arranges and takes the certain samples of classical pieces done by some of the obviously biggest classical music artists. And unlike most other metal artists, you didn't really give the songs necessarily a metal makeover, but instead you combine the two core elements of the different genres to create those songs. Mm. Um, and, I, you. you know, yeah, I did. It was, it was a great album. I mean, Night on Bold Mountain, not only is that song fantastic, but the video is, is I think it's just a great video, really, I think, encapsulates, I think, what you were trying to, you know, feature on the whole record. So, I mean, how inspirational are those classical, you know, music influences to you when it comes to writing music for except i mean is classical music you know is it a go-to for you when you're say you know searching for some inspiration with your guitar leads or riffs for accepts music not really and to be quite honest i never really search for inspiration when i sit down with the guitar and start writing songs i just okay. i don't know i just let it come out the way it comes out but i never really go to listen to other music first and then let that inspire me mm -hmm. um and i in general i don't really listen to i mean people always ask me what do you listen to currently what's on your you know what's on your ipod or what do you listen and i don't listen to much music but it is correct i listen to classical music when i do and uh, to me, the challenge or the fun is in, in, in combining these two worlds of metal and classic has always been to find pieces of music that first and foremost are playable on guitar because not everything is, you know, because it was written for orchestra and not everything is translatable to guitar, at least not well. <laughs> and then to find riffs and stuff that works alongside with it and drum grooves 
that that uh, work with that classical composition, and then still find a way to honor the original mood of the original composition somewhat. With other words, if it's a slow, moody, I don't know, uh, original piece, you don't really want it to become aggressive and fast because I don't know, it'd be too different from the original. Sure. If you know what I mean. So sure. I always try to be at least a little bit respectful of the original intention of the whatever symphony I'm ripping off here. You know, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Other than that, I'll I'll do whatever I please. You know, I don't I don't really care what Beethoven would have would have thought of what I do. Sure. You know. <laughs> And he's not here to tell you. Yeah. Even. Exactly. Yeah. He can't complain, can he? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he can't even hear. Oh, he could. <laughs> well, well, Wolf, um, you know, no secret, the, you know, the industry itself is in real upheaval because of the pandemic. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's killing, it's killing everybody that's in this business. For you, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the bread and butter things for excess except has always been the festival season it and, is yeah and, and it was killed last year or this yeah. year it was it was postponed until next year and now we're hoping that it will happen in 21. Yeah. what do you think will happen do you think it'll happen or do you think that we might be going into a time where that kind of a gathering is not going to happen anymore Oh, I don't even say it. Oh, I'm say just thinking out loud. I hope not, but <laughs> no, I hope not either. Um, I mean, I'm still hoping for this coming season in 21 that at least some of those festivals, or maybe even all of them, can happen. Uh, might be naive, but you know, yeah. you know, we don't know. I, I, but I'm with you. I certainly hope it does. But just given the the way people are right now, I cannot imagine six months from now anywhere allowing a hundred thousand people to gather in one place yeah. you know well, that's yeah it, it's hard to imagine but even if it's just a few thousand it would be better than nothing you know maybe they find a way to i don't know man i've heard different <laughs> ideas about all this but so far it's just ideas what what we'll, we'll basically just have to wait and see and hope and if it's enough but at some point it's got to resume or that everybody can just pack up and go home and become Amazon drivers or something, you know, what, what, what else are we going to do? You know, we've got to, <laughs> musicians have to play out live and otherwise it's just, you know, hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, speaking of musicians, Wolf, um, obviously, um, as a guitar player, you, you are aware of Eddie Van Halen and the, and Eddie his, who? yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, of course I am. Yeah. Of you know, uh, I'm curious for you. I, I mean, you could talk about his inspiration if there was some for him, you know, toward your playing, but I'm mm. curious more for you if the LA style that he kind of brought to the forefront when he came mm. out, if, if that impacted you as a player or was what you were doing with Accept at that same time so different that you really weren't looking at what other people were doing and were you doing your own thing? Yeah, uh, you said that word, uh, LA style. That's actually a true thing because there was a lot of players that tried to be like Eddie and there was a whole school of players that had all the chops and looked cool and could twirl the guitar and, you know, the whole, I don't know. They, yeah, you're right. There was a whole league of LA players and he was certainly the, yeah, the best. and 
you know, he was, my God, he was a legend. And when he first came onto the scene, I remember everybody was blown away, like, whoa, what is that guy? And where does he come from? And how does he do that? And we all tried to be like him for a split second, but I realized pretty soon I'm not that guy. And, right. and I guess my roots were always way different. Mm -hmm. uh, and come over. I guess it's, yeah, maybe it's more the traditional European background that made it different. But I was more drawn towards the um, the Richie Blackmores and the Uli John Roth sure. uh, of this world. And they, yeah, obviously they have a way different style, and I do too. And that was sure. more maybe the fact that I came from Europe, and I don't know what it is, but uh, I never tried to follow that la style too much sure. if you know what well, i mean and, and, and you know what's interesting is that you know you can say that it's the european style i i would argue that that's not necessarily true with your uh countrymen scorpions scorpions saw what was going on and they adapted their style to that more la type yeah but style. that that's right and i always found that a little bit strange to be honest i mean i'm, I'm a huge scorpions fan because they were the first band I have a huge respect for them. Um, and they were the first band to kind of open the door for other German bands, including Accept. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, again, huge admirer of their career and all that. But I always found that um, the L.A. side of their image slightly strange, to be honest, because I know they were German. They were very German, even sure. more German than we are. So they were not about la and drugs and babes and i mean they always try to portray this ultra cool sexy image but they're just a bunch of germans <laughs> <laughs> and that sounded mean but you know what i mean they're, they're pretty right. much not i mean they were not from la but they always tried to be as cool as the other la guys i don't know i'm not i i don't know how to say it properly but there was always a certain disconnect Sure. Something was was a little bit fake in there, and I always felt a little, little bit sorry. They didn't really need that. I mean, even their videos were kind of eh, kind of weird with the hot chicks rattling on the cage because <laughs> right. Klaus yeah. Meine is such a hot babe that all kinds of after you know I don't know. It's just something isn't quite right there, if you know what I mean. Uh, right. Sure. Well, maybe it goes back to what you were saying before. It was Dieter Dirks putting his his stamp on them, the more pop stamp, and it, it led them that He direction. was, he was, and he was very much pushing for that always, you know, that he tried with us this, the same thing when we made this album, Eat the Heat, and it, it failed quite miserably. So I guess having learned from all these lessons um, over the years, you kind of realize, nah, this is not us, and we should do what we do, and Having worked with Andy Sneep, he was quite instrumental when we first met him to kind of steer us towards the old school stuff that he liked and not the more poppy and radio-y side of, 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 of metal, basically. Sure, definitely. Well, if people don't want the poppy L.A. sound, if they want straight-up metal, they need to pick up this new Accept release. It's called Too Mean to Die. It is killer, and we're not just saying that. It is a, it's a real ass-kicker. You yeah, know, thank so, you very much. Yeah, I think it turned out well, actually. I think yeah. I think so. So, Wolf, where where should people go to keep up with the band and um, you know, follow what you, what you guys are doing and whatnot? Yeah, I guess I can't go anywhere really. <laughs> they have to be online. <laughs> <laughs> so, except worldwide is the name of our website. Uh, the 
you know, and all the good stuff's right on there. Um, so the new album's coming out January 15th. And I hope people take that new album and uh, kick off the year properly with some good old fashioned heavy metal. And I guess altogether we should forget this shit year 2020. Yeah. It, it really was miserable, wasn't it? Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> no Absolutely. doubt. Well, one more time. The album is called Too Mean to Die. It is Accept. And uh, Wolf, thanks so much for coming on Aftershocks. You bet. My, ple my pleasure, guys. Always All fun. Right. Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com for all comments and questions. Please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com. Everybody, another great interview right here on Aftershocks TV. And before we go, just want to remind you one more time, make sure you get over and subscribe to the CMS Podcast Network, cmspn.com. You can watch, you can listen, you can subscribe to everything that we do. Not only us, but uh, the classic metal shows, Shockwave Skull Sessions, uh, Talk To Me. It's all there. One site. Get four great shows. Never have to do anything again, but be entertained. So. Check it out, uh, cmspn.com, cmspn.com, cmspn.com. Until next time, folks.